And uh, Pastor Nick had asked that we could continue on with his study in Mark, so that's what we're doing. And uh, last week, he was talking about them on their way to this uh, uh, to this area and how they had been faced with this great storm and how Jesus had stood up rebuked the wind and the waves and uh, he said why are you so fearful and it says that they feared exceedingly and said one to another what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obeyed him and so they have crossed the sea. Now I want you to notice that after, in the crossing of the sea, and they come to this area of Gadara, that there is this man that is there. And you will notice that the whole episode takes place in this, uh, with this man from Gadara who has been possessed with demons. That as soon as Jesus has completed this this work, this uh, ministry time with him, he gets into the boat and leaves. It was like this was the very thing that he had come to do. He had come to minister to this man that was so in, in pain, so in torment, and I'm so glad that Jesus went across the sea for this one man to see that he was healed, that he was delivered. And for us not to underestimate how he values us, that he values us, but uh, to know that he does value you. But anyway, looking at this scripture, uh, this, this man is... Uh, they have come to the other side, he got out of the ship, and there is a man there that has been living in the tombs, and uh, like a cemetery, a graveyard, I guess. But there's, there's a couple of things I would just like to say in introducing this story, is that this is not a popular um, uh, point of conversation to talk about a person that was possessed with demons. And, you know, we can choose. We have two choices. Well, we have three choices, really. We can choose to ignore the fact of demonic activity. And many do. Uh, they will believe in angels, but they don't want to acknowledge the fact that there is uh, the dark spirits, evil spirits, that are about in our world. So we can choose to ignore it, or we can choose to have an unhealthy interest and involvement with demonic forces, or even the occult, anything that has to do with uh, the dark, the darkness of this world. And we find that if we look over in Deuteronomy chapter 18, and I won't read all of those verses in 9 to 14. But God expressly forbade his people. When they entered the promised land, he said, Do not have anything to do with involvement with demons. That's magic, calling on evil spirits, 
Balaam of fortune teller. And it says that God looks upon these activities as abominations. And it was because that the nations where the children of Israel were going into that were involved in all these wicked practices, sacrificing of children to, adult, to idols. There was these activities that the people were uh, involved in. And God said, that is an abomination. You're going to go in and take over the land. This was why God was displacing these people in this land where the children of Israel were going because of this evilness. Sometimes in our day, Satan chooses to work quietly, kind of underground, so he doesn't draw a lot of attention to the supernatural and the great spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle that has been raging throughout all of human history. But he tells us, so we have a choice to either ignore it, we have a choice to become involved in it, or we have the choice of what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 12. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And I believe that God has made a provision for his people that we can withstand the evil forces. They're not to be ignored. They are not to be participated in. But we have God's strength, the power of the name of Jesus, to stand against the powers of darkness. So he has come out of the tombs, been bound often with fetters. He was a Gentile. This is a Gentile area, the land of Gadara. And some might say, well, he was certainly out of reach of God. That there was no way that God could do anything for him. He was unclean. He was possessed by an unclean spirit. And we find out a whole legion of demons. He was violent, possessed of a supernatural strength. And he was in a constant state of suffering. It says that he went out running naked among the tombs, crying out in agony. This man was in a very great state of torment. But I am so glad that there is no one, no one outside of God's reach. No one outside of God's reach. You know, some people feel that they have sinned so deeply that there is no hope for them. I remember talking to an elderly man, and he said, I have been such a rascal all my life. How is God going to be interested in me now? And he was at the end of his life. He was close to the end of his life. And that was the words that he used. I've been such a rascal all my life. Why would God have mercy on me? 
And it was, it was so good to be able to share with him that regardless of where you have been in life, what you have done in life, the things that have uh, occurred in your life, what you've participated in, that you are still precious to the Lord and that he loves you and that he has room for you. He is inviting you to come to him. And so, thankfully, and praise the Lord, he did eventually come to the place of saying, Jesus, come into my life, where he realized that Jesus loved him. And we have this man here that uh, is in constant suffering. Constant suffering. And Jesus comes along. Jesus comes to make that change in his life. And we find that uh, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now this is this is the evil spirit that within him that recognized Jesus. Isn't it interesting that at the end of the last chapter the disciples are saying, Who is this man that he has power over even the wind and the waves? And yet this man that was in the tombs, that was possessed by this evil spirit, this evil spirit knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was, and he comes out and says, What am I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? He knew. And you know, the Bible tells us that demons believe and they tremble. They know the power of Jesus. They know the power of Jesus. And they do not believe as we would believe in Jesus as a Savior, but they understand the power of Jesus. And so did this, this man at this point. Uh, the demons within him. No one is outside of God's reach. There was a song that I cut that had come to mind last night. And uh, if I could sing today, I would have liked to sing. But uh, I'm just uh, working through a bit of a testing myself here in uh, voice. So, but the song says, and maybe some of you know it, says the blood that Jesus shed for me. This is written by Andre Crouch. Way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. For it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. It goes on and it says, it soothes my doubts and calms my fears and it dries all my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. And you know, as Jesus stood with this man, 
this man that was filled with torment. And no, the time hadn't come yet that Jesus had shed his blood, but the power of Jesus that day was so evident when these, these uh, evil spirits, they wanted no part of him. They knew who he was, and they said, don't send us away. Jesus rules over Satan. Jesus rules over Satan. Jesus came to give people freedom from sin and Satan's control. That's why he came. In John 10 and verse 10 it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and to destroy. I am come that he might have life and that he might have it more abundantly. The thief, Satan had come to destroy that man and he tried. He was constantly cutting himself and uh, it was like he was on a path of self-destruction. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And you know, as we look around us today, we are in a world where it's like uh, so many people are, are in the in the, the path of self-destruction and how they need to know that there is somebody that really cares for them, that can make a difference in their life, that can bring health, can bring healing, can bring uh, life and life more abundantly. I see Scott sitting down here and we heard his testimony just two or three weeks ago but how the message of the cross changed his life and continues to change his life. And it will change everyone's life if they will just come and recognize the power that is in the name of Jesus. But in this scripture, Jesus shows his power over Satan and his demons. They came and they physically submitted to him. They were afraid of him. They verbally confessed that he was Jesus, the Son of God. And uh, they were in complete obedience to Christ's command. This was not a loving obedience, such as a believer renders unto the Lord but rather an obedience based on fear and on an understanding of Jesus' absolute power. And so when Jesus casts them out, they will have to go. They will have to go. When Jesus asked the demon his name, they had no choice but to respond. They are there before Jesus, begging and pleading. They're not negotiating. There's no negotiating with Jesus. They're not negotiating, but they are begging and pleading. And they know that their eventual future is to be uh, cast out. And they are desperate to delay the inevitable. And Jesus allows their request. And this, we may wonder, why would he even permit them to go into these pigs, which is what they requested. They said, don't just cast us out 
uh, back to where they come from, but send us into the swine or the pigs that we may enter into them. And I'm not really sure. I don't have an answer as to why Jesus would permit them to go into these pigs. Perhaps as a visit, visual demonstration of how many demons uh, he actually cast out. But they asked permission, and he granted them permission. First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so they, they went out of this man into this herd of pigs. And it says there were about 2,000 of them. You know, that was, that's a lot, of, a lot of pigs. And the unclean spirits went out and into these pigs. And it says that they ran the pigs. They couldn't handle the, the spiritual, the, the demonic invasion of their of their uh, carcass or their, what would you say? They, what would you say? Their bodies. Their bodies, they couldn't handle that. And it says that they ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. That was the power that this man had contained within him. You know, what a great deliverance Jesus brought. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. But now we have to deal with something else. We must make a choice about Jesus. Because the people that were looking after the pigs, they ran into the town and they said, Oh, you don't know what is happening here. You've got to come and check out this guy. He, he has cast out some evil spirits. They got into the pigs. The pigs are all drowned in the sea. And so the owners, they come right back. And here was this man. Notice the change in this man. It says he was totally restored. He was not running wild. He was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Jesus had brought healing and restoration to this man. And so as the townspeople come back, they they have two two views. There's this, yes, their, their herd of pigs has been lost. And that's no small loss. I mean, even a farmer today, if you lost that many pigs, that'd be a big loss. But we see, there was this man that is healed. And in his right mind, he has had a restoration and a healing in his life. But the people did not want to recognize the value of this man being healed and in his right mind. They looked only at the value of the of the swine, of the pigs that had been lost. And some people, when they are confronted with the power of Christ, they don't want to have anything to do with him. 
They push him away. And if he's in your life, they may push you away as well. The people cared more about losing the pigs than they cared about this poor man who had been released from all those demons. And what is their response? They said, Jesus, we don't want you here. Go away. Go away. Leave us. And sometimes, and I've seen it happen, where a person can be uh, easy to talk to, you can visit with them, and I'm thinking of a particular individual, you can have a real good visit with them. But when it came the moment that when Corey were, and I were there visiting with him, and we mentioned Jesus, it was just like the blinds were pulled, and he was mad. He was mad. Up until that time, we had had a real nice visit. It was a happy time. We talked, I think we even mentioned about some things about God. But it wasn't until we mentioned Jesus, and he wanted no part of Jesus. And it was like, you know, Way you go. I'm not interested. And the visit went very much downhill at that point. <laughs> but just like these men had asked Jesus to leave, you know, uh, and people can, can believe in God, but they really don't want to have any part of Jesus. <laughs> Which is, it, it seems a little bit, it almost seems a little contradictory to myself, but it is the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, that will stir up anything that is contrary to, uh, to the Lord. The name of Jesus. And so, these people, when they were confronted with Jesus, they had to make a choice. Are we going to accept him? And they chose not to. They said, go away. We don't want you here. Go away. However, we see the response of the man who was delivered. He wanted to go with Jesus. As Jesus was getting into the boat to go back across the sea, he said, oh, won't you take me with you? I want to, I want to I owe my life to you. Can I go back with you? And Jesus says to him, Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. This was a, a Gentile area. You know, when Jesus was among the Jews, when he would do a miracle, he would tell them, now don't go and tell everybody, simply because he knew that they would want to uh, elevate him to be a king. And he knew that the time 
was not right yet. But over here, in the Gentile nations, they, they didn't understand about Jesus being a king. They just were, were blessed. They were encouraged to know that God had visited them and that there were these miracles that were happening. And this fellow, he goes and he gives his testimony. He says, God has, has changed my life. He's changed my life. And really that is, uh, as he goes back to his family, uh, his trust is now in Jesus. And he's obedient to the command of Jesus and he becomes an active witness on Jesus' behalf. And I'd just like to say here that as Jesus said to go and to tell the people, we do not need to have a degree from seminary to be a testimony to people, whether it's our family, whether it's our community, but we can uh, share with them. We simply need to tell them what Jesus has done for us. He has changed my life. He saved my life. Whatever whatever is included in your testimony. Simply tell them what God has done for you. And it's not telling them things that you don't know or you haven't learned yet, but it's telling them what you do know. And it's as simple as saying that Jesus is real, he's God's son, he rose from the dead, and he's changed my life. We can each, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you have a testimony. You have a testimony. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. And today, I pray that every one of you here knows that life of Jesus. And that we can go, even as Jesus said to this man, go out, tell your family, tell your community about the Lord's uh, working in your life, the change that he has brought. Many people need to hear the good news. Some that you don't even... uh, you might think, oh, they're not interested in what I have to tell them. You would be surprised. You would be surprised. Some of the, the ones that you may have written off, they need to hear your testimony. This man that was over here in the tombs, people had written him off. There was nothing they could do with him. But Jesus went out of his way across this sea to deliver this man and to set him free. Then he got in the boat, went back across the sea. That's how much Jesus is is interested in the ones and the twos and the threes and the fours, but primarily the ones. He is interested in the ones. And we are encouraged to be interested in the ones as well. Those that we come that come across our path, don't hesitate to share with them, not in an obnoxious way, but in a kind, caring, and compassionate way that they can see 
that they know that something has happened in your life that has given you a love for people and a concern for others, that they might know Jesus as well. We do need, every one of us needs a touch of the Lord's restoration in our own lives. And Jesus has come to bring restoration, to bring healing. What is your need today? What is your need today? What is your need today? You need healing and a restoration in your life. Jesus came a long way from heaven to give eternal life to each one of us. I was really blessed by some of the songs that we were singing this morning. And this one particular, what a beautiful name. It says, uh, what a powerful name. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Your love was greater. What could separate us now? It's all about the wonderful name of Jesus. And you know, Jesus makes a difference. Jesus can make, can bring a change. Jesus can bring life where there has been only death. So if you need Jesus in your life today, don't hesitate to call on him. Even if you think that you are out of out of being eligible for his mercies, just remember the story that Jesus crossed the sea to minister to this one man when he was healed within his right mind and sent on his way with a powerful message and testimony. Jesus went back across the sea continue his work. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the wonderful love that you have for each one of us. Lord, we do not even know. We cannot fathom your compassion and the care that you have. And I pray that if there is someone here today that has never accepted you, that they will see, they will understand that you came because you love them. You love them. I pray for your blessing upon this people, Lord, that they will know the great value that you place upon them. And they will respond in worship and in praise to you. Lord, I just bless them today as they go on their way and through the course of this week, may they remember the value that you have placed upon them and how much you care for them. 
be with each one of us now. We thank you for such a wonderful time spent in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.